I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. Brought to you by Payup. Foods, balls, and bad decisions. Bad decisions. Don't forget to stop it. I stopped it. Oh, it only took uh, our boys. We're on right now. It only took two months of uh, shows to make that happen. Yeah, not a bad plus the entire year before that on the fuel pod. But you know, no big deal. Who's counting? So, welcome to booze, balls, and bad decisions. Brought to you by a little startup company called PayUp. AJ, yeah, tell us what PayUp is. So pay up as soon as we clear a few legal hurdles, uh, pay up will be the world's first peer to peer betting app. So we all have deadbeat friends, but we love our deadbeat friends. Right. Um, and sometimes we do dumb things with our deadbeat friends. Right. So we make bets with them after we know they won't pay up. Right. We'll pay up. Pay up solves the problem of your deadbeat friends. So you, you have a friendly wager, right. That you normally would not get paid on. Well, thanks to pay up. You both put you, you put your bet in your app. Put the terms in there and pay up ensures that the winner gets their money. No more deadbeat friends. Pay up for all your peer-to-peer betting needs. All right. Cannot wait. That's going to be great. Benjamin, this week we had hyped it up as it was going to be the week that we started breaking down the divisions in the NFL. And we were going to do the ASC North and South this week. And then you you get a phone call. You get a text message. And, and tell us about tell us about this text message. Yeah, so I mean, it really, um, really kind of changed your trajectory this week. But it's one of the things that I love about doing this. Just like when we picked up on the OK Kids fiasco a couple of weeks ago. It, I mean, we can do whatever we want. It's our show, you know. So um, we've been trying to get Joe Exotic on for a bit. Um, you know, we're from Oklahoma. We live in Oklahoma. I, I personally remember when Joe ran for president in sixteen, when he ran for governor in eighteen. Prior to Tiger King coming out in 2020, everybody in Oklahoma knew who the heck Joe Exotic was. Absolutely. So, so we reached out and you know try to get Joe Exotic on. Um, turns out he's in solitary confinement, so uh, he's been solitary for a few days. Uh, but we uh, he reached out uh, through through some of his contacts and said, "Hey, uh, you know I've launched a 2024 presidential campaign, and uh, you know Michael Robinson is my." uh campaign uh press secretary and uh, you know he he'd be happy to come on and talk with you guys so we reached out um joe's people put us in a group message and we all got hooked up and um you know friday saturday it just kind of took off and and here we are so uh, so we're gonna this we're is, gonna this is way better secretary. than listening to us yeah 100 percent better than us listening to us talk about football way better so, so I'm going to go ahead and bring Michael in. I don't know if Michael can hear us or not, but Michael, I'm going to go ahead and bring you in. There you what's are. Up, Welcome, guys. Michael. Love it. Hey, good Michael, to, what's up, man? Listen, it's good to be here, but I tell you what, I, it is an interesting thing because I, I definitely got to hear some perspective just listening to you guys give that intro. When you talk about Joe running for governor or Joe running for president in 2016, right? Like, I mean, we... Those of us... I've known Joe for a while at a distance because I'm in the exotics world, right? But that you guys aspect, all know each other, don't you? I mean, if you're, oh, bro, if you're harboring listen, exotic animals, you know everybody. That well, else has, like, right? here's the deal. The way I describe it, so this is the exotic world probably hates me about as much as they hate Joe, which is why Joe and I are good friends. Maybe because, this is not good for you, bud. Maybe well, we should. But here's the thing. But here's what I tell everybody. <laughs> I'll just call it like it is. Like, I don't – why do we got to – we don't need to pad it. Like, 
those of us who do life with exotics are a little odd. Let's be real. Like I'll call it like it is. We are strange. You got to choose, you know, you, you kind of mess your life up to like, Hey, I don't get to take vacations and do normal things like other people. But, but uh, yeah, we all know each other, but I've always described it as a, a, a strangely incestuous space. So <laughs> it is, a, uh, you don't like each other necessarily, but you can't avoid each other. So you kind of have to do some business together. You kind of have to lean into each other. So you cross paths, no matter which side of, any of the conversations you're on, but I will say this, those of us that weren't in Oklahoma or weren't directly, you know, tied to Joe, like the conversation of Joe running for governor or president, that conversation for us didn't occur till Tiger King came out. So, you know, you're looking at, it's not that we didn't know, we knew, right. But perspective is different. Cause you just kind of go, yeah, whatever. I mean, I got crazy friends who've run for office too. So, you know, you look back and you're like, okay, this is an interesting thing, but it is, it is interesting for you guys to be in Oklahoma. You know, what, what is that perspective? Cause I mean, Joe, Joe, Joe's a character, right? He's a showman. Uh, You know, he's been, he's, he's been for good Lord, almost, you know, two decades solid a figure in that part of the world, that part of the country, you know, doing this exotics thing, being kind of this side. And I I hate using the term, but it's like a sideshow, right? And people are attracted to that stuff. We love to, to watch that stuff so everybody likes a train wreck yeah, yeah. So, so i just so speaking like pre-tiger king right uh so obviously we're all okies uh and yes we're peripherally aware of them but but you know as nothing more than probably a meme right it's like it's, right. it's, it's, it's a goof it's not serious but then this magical thing called tiger king comes out and it happens at the right time during yep. COVID, so, so 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 the three of us and 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 five of our other goofball friends were really really tight, right? So all this is going on, we're all on lockdown, and so we all had this group shared bonding experience over 100%. over over Tiger King, right? Right yep. at the beginning of lockdown, we all take it down together, right? So 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 it's something that has been just kind of background noise, kind of sideshow, like you said. That it just brings it front and center, right? Like, oh, this right. is a real guy that really went through yeah. something, uh, yeah. and so it just changes the the perspective altogether. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I mean, and we'll t- we'll probably dig into this. You know, there's a lot. You, entertainment is created for that purpose. Entertainment, right? So, yeah. you know, I I said the other night I was I I was on with uh, Kaylee McEnany on Fox News tonight, and we were talking about Joe. You know, one of the interview, yeah. That, so many people fell in love with the character of Joe. Right. And, and I'll say this, Joe is what you see is what you get. No, no question yeah. about it. There's no on camera, off camera personality. Okay, that was a question I was going to ask if, if there's is, a different, it's through and through. No, Joe's just Joe. <laughs> like, <laughs> And that's what makes it, you know, and I think that's the thing, like the guys at Tiger King, the, the producers, the folks who dug into that story to create it. However, like anything else, and I've worked with, you know, really high end politicians and celebrities. Most of my life, I grew up around it. Um, you know, I've been around that world. A lot of times what is put out though, on the entertainment side of it, doesn't obviously tell the whole story. You don't get to see somebody's heart. You don't get to hear, you know, the true story necessarily of what's going on. You don't get to understand, you know, a, a great, to me, one of the greatest examples out there is somebody like a Michael Jackson, you know, there's all this, you know, folklore and things about who he was or a character. And then you have all this defamation and strange stories that come out later on. But the question is, how many people really knew the real person 
behind the persona, behind the legend, behind the thing that became, you know, I mean, granted, you don't get bigger than Michael Jackson, but a pop culture icon, which Joe truly became during COVID. Absolutely. No doubt about sure. it. I mean, he was the face of COVID. Know. And there's no other way in the world anybody would have been interested, honestly, in watching a bunch of crazy animal people run around and, and backstab each other and tear each other down and, you know, animals at the center of it. That, that would have never ever worked at another time in history than yeah you're exactly right 2020 and 2021 so in in 2018 when when joe was running for governor he actually came to ada so he Mm -hmm. came to ada and did a i mean he he was in the the parade and had some tigers and i mean one of my one of my son's friends i mean joe walks up to him and hands him a condom and he's like vote for joe exotic he's like i'm right you know i can't vote i'm seven but um no it was uh and, and what was what was strange then is Joe on Twitter at the time was saying, oh, I'm, I'm shooting yeah. this Netflix movie. They're doing this documentary on me. It's going to blow up the zoo. It's going to make us, you know, so big and, you know, get the animal. And then, I mean, the, the producers and, and the creators, I mean, they they completely turn on Joe. Right. And, I mean, and he ends up in prison. I mean, it's, 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 it's unreal. It's the wildest thing because really the original crew that was there to do that got railroaded out of it, too. And so you had an original group of people who were filming with Joe years before that. And actually a lot of their footage uh, ended up in that JT Barnett, who's a, you know, amazing, you know, TV producer. JT was shooting with Joe years before uh, any of the Tiger King stuff. But but Netflix came in just because the way Joe and JT worked together, were able to hijack a lot of the footage, a lot of the things. So like, the footage you see when Saf gets, uh, you know, yeah. gets gets her arm yeah, ripped off, arm ripped like off. you have yeah. all of that. That was JT. That wasn't Netflix. That was not actually yeah. the people from Netflix creating that content. So you got like, again, so much of the story that gets forgotten or gets pushed aside for entertainment value, right? Because yeah. everything gets edited down. You know, I remember the first time that it kind of clicks for me. I was on vacation in the Dominican Republic, and uh, my ex and I were approached by a film crew. We got pulled in to shoot, like be this couple. And they gave us a kid, a random kid who belonged to one of the, um, <laughs> mind you, we're on vacation to get away from our kids. Okay. So we get handed a random kid, go for the entire day. We got paid really well. We got to go do all kinds of cool stuff, like horseback riding on a, like a completely private beach. And I mean, just some crazy stuff. It was awesome. But we get handed this kid to basically pretend it's our kid. You know, we're two very white individuals with a very dark skinned, obviously not our child, you know, to go shoot this tourism video. But at the same time, one of the beaches we were on while we're shooting, HGTV's there shooting uh, House Hunters International, right? And HGTV's shooting, you know, their show that they, you know, I used to sit around at night and watch House Hunters. You're always curious, like, what can I get for what money and what city or what country or whatever, right? So you're always interested in. You know, and all of a sudden I'm talking to this couple because we're all sitting around waiting on our film crews to do their thing. And this couple's like, we don't even know each other. We met at breakfast this morning. HGTV approached us (laughs) and paid us to become this couple that they're going to broadcast on television. You go, oh, damn. Like, (laughs) I'm going to have to get prettier or something like that never happens to me ever. I think we I think we were at the end of our vacation. We were exhausted and ready to go home. Our flight was delayed a day and we were we looked like. They're an easy target. We'll pick them. Yeah. <laughs> They're done. I don't think it was about being pretty people. I think it was totally look, we look like easy targets. So. <laughs> so, so how did how did you and Joe Exotic get get kind of hooked up together? How did you score this 
you know, secretary job. Like, Joe and I have a ton of mutual friends. We've crossed paths off and on. Joe and I never did anything official together ever uh, until this year. Um, but really, I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, I've worked in specifically in the last three years very deeply in the political space um, as a journalist, as a as a content creator for some very, very high profile YouTubers and publications across the country. So um, I really leaned into Joe's case because I really paid a whole lot of attention to, you know, corruption that's happened in our DOJ, you know, watching our nation basically come apart these last few years. Um, and really my adult life. I mean, honestly, like since I've been an adult, I can't look at anything in our, our country and go, wow, we've really made a lot of progress. I look and I'm like, wow, you know, all that history that I learned as a 40, you know, for somebody in their middle forties, you know, you, you look back and you're like, um, first of all, nobody's teaching that history anymore. Second of all, my kids are missing a lot of context here, you know, and I, you, you start to grow through it and you pay attention, but Joe's story stood out to me because we crossed paths because we had common interest, uh, working with the animals and just really reached in and said, look, probably just like you guys, I think Joe's got some other component of his story that needs to be told. And so, you know, personally, I've built a, a large audience with uh, close to 10 million followers across social media. And so, you know, I really leaned in and said, Joe, I think I can I think I can help maybe create some attention because I think people need to hear what's going on um, on a personal so Joe, side. Joe's in solitary, right? So, t- so tell us about that. What? Yeah. What, you know, so we, we saw, everybody saw the picture he posted on Twitter, right? He's leaning right. up against the wall. I mean, it's, that's a straight gangster picture, too. Oh, and, I mean, that that is the pinnacle is, of prison right there. I think this is. But this and then is he the goes solitary. People, people miss about Joe. Like he gets, cause he's a redneck, right? Like he's purity American redneck other than, you know, people don't know what to do with him cause he's gay. So then they're like, okay, redneck gay. Like it's, it's a weird character, right? Well, but, but again, so here's the deal with Joe though. Like he's old school gay. Like oh, he's eighties, yeah. nineties gay. Put it. I mean, he's not, he's no. not, he's, he's not, not new gay. He's yeah. not today's LGBTQ. No, hold on. I need to. Sorry, whatever. Benny. Yeah. Benny. This is the best Benny, thing I need. Bullshit. I need clarification. Can I buy a clarification for five hundred? Yeah. Yeah. What is what is eighties and nineties gay, Benny? Please, Man, please enlighten. Those please are like old me. school, good-hearted. Just let us love. Let us do what we want to do. We're not trying to attack your children. We're not coming at you in parades. Nope. We're just we're old school gay. We're just happy. You don't need and to give us life. anything special. Just let us get That's married. Right. Alone. We don't need a Pride Month. They don't need any of that. It's just we're just gaying, bro. I mean, well, that listen. So in case I'm y'all are wondering, note, we are going to get ratio right off of oh. YouTube. Yeah, that's the way to put it. Because listen, I have a husband, so my husband and I. I mean, that's a constant thing. We're always like, "Is Pride over yet? Can we please get through the month of June? This is like hell on earth. Like, we don't need a month. Exactly what you said, Benny. He's like, I don't need a month. I don't need anybody to listen. I just need." I need to be left alone. I'm trying to lead a normal life. Like I chose the spouse I chose, but like, that's it. I don't care if anybody knows it, you know, it's like, you know, and then that, I think that's the, what's an interesting thing. And Joe's a really good example because his, his his genuine mindset and heart is nobody's asking those questions. Why are we leaning into that? Nobody gives a damn. Like we don't need to, we don't need to go there. You know, my husband is not white. Like, I don't think about that. Half my kids aren't white. Like, I don't think about that. But I grew up in the South. I grew up in a, I mean, I, a good chunk of my life, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. Bro, like, they, there was definitely two different sides of town. There was definitely segregation as a reality in the 80s and 90s. Still, 
like the kind of stuff we talk about in the 50s and 60s and civil rights movement. But in all reality, by late 90s, early 2000s, man, like things weren't an issue anymore. It was whether it was gay or straight, black, white, didn't matter. Like all of a sudden we've gone back to polarizing issues. And the thing that I love about Joe is he doesn't care. It's not about the polarizing issues. Like what he cares about is how people at different levels of society. And this is a lot about his incarceration, his story, like because, again, people have a misconception in their mind because of Tiger King. Somehow Joe's probably got money coming out of his eyeballs. Like Joe made maybe and I mean, maybe in total all of Tiger King because people forget he was incarcerated by the time it came out. Yeah, by the time it came out, he's already in jail. Yeah. Oh, so he couldn't make that. the money anyway. Right. But even at the time of filming, like Joe didn't make but a but a handful of thousands of dollars. Like it's not like he became some millionaire. And I can tell you, working in the exotic space, Joe was living penny to penny to keep that place open every day, every week, because it is not listen, I tell people all the time, I got monkeys that live in my house, okay? Like I, I live and 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 work with exotics every day. My uh, my human children are a whole lot cheaper to take care of. <laughs> Than, what can I buy a monkey for? The you know, Joe said on the Joe said on Tiger King, you can buy a tiger cub for around two grand. So mm-hmm. what can I buy a monkey for? 20, 20 grand. Damn, that's, that's that seems high. That costs you that every year to take care of. My kids cost me probably ten thousand dollars a piece every year to take care. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just yeah. so I think there's a lot of misconception. And I think for Joe, like, and this is this will lead to you asking a question about solitary, is Joe's done a really good job of kind of pointing out the the really big dissection in, in our American culture and society, which is we're not, it's not actually the, the, the real systemic problem in America It's not racism. It's not sexism. It's not all of these kind of things. They get, they get pointed out. They're, they're decoys, they're distractions for, for our real issue, which is classism, right? So you've got an elite and it's not, I, I don't even call it the wealthy and the not wealthy because I don't think that's right either. Cause I know a lot of wealthy people are incredible human beings, right? Like, and, and they're, they're generous and they enter, they, they don't care. It's a matter of, are you in the club or out of the club? Are you in the circle or out of the circle? And so those who are beneficial to a agenda or beneficial to an idea get preferential treatment. Those who are not, you know, get the short end of the stick. Joe's not beneficial to anything. Yeah, because he's a redneck zoo owner from Oklahoma. He's, he's, right. he's nobody. He's a wild card. But isn't yeah. America a wild card? Like, really? Like, in the whole thing, like, didn't it all start with wild cards? Like, a bunch of guys in Europe going, yeah, let's get out. Like, this is crazy. I'm not going to fall in the system anymore. And so, you know, Joe's done a lot of and, – and, again, yes, there are some financial realities that, that bifurcate America from the rich and the poor. And it does affect a lot of people in the justice system. And Joe has spent a lot of time over these last couple of years, but this year more than ever, as he launched his campaign, as he's really dug in, and obviously we've seen it. Look, we can look at what's happened in the current administration, and we can look at what happened with the last administration. We got a former president who's indicted. Guilty or not, I don't know. That's not up to me. I'm not the judge. I don't have to make those calls. Um, But I do know this, the very thing he's in trouble for right now, we know our current administration is guilty of that and more and didn't have any type of presidential protection to justify their way out of it. Right. So we're seeing a a dual reality to our justice system. We're seeing it with the current uh, president's son escaping tax issues and all kinds of, you know, crazy crimes and things like this. So basically Joe's really been calling that out because what's happened is he's in prison on corruption and collusion. He's in that position because um, 
he was a pawn. And, you know, he's got the proof. The proof's out there. People can go to joeexotic2024.com slash evidence, and they can watch. I mean, we literally have collected the affidavits, the video testimony from the people who helped testify to put him in prison, coming back and saying they were paid off. They yeah. gave false testimony. Yeah. Like, he shouldn't be there. There's no reason for a judge not to hear his appeal right now, except for a statute of limitations. Because yeah. if they can push it another 18 to 24 months, they get outside a statute of limitations. So federal agents who are guilty of the crimes that put Joe in prison to begin with are outside of being prosecuted. So the Department of Justice doesn't get mud on its face in this whole thing. So what, so what was interesting to me about, about his trial, right? So they come after him with a murder for hire, right? And then, and then they... I mean, it's pretty simple and pretty, you know, explanatory yeah. for anybody with a brain to say, if I'm going to hire somebody, you know, Joe said, I'm not hiring a $3,000 crackhead. To go right. Kill somebody. Exactly. I mean, you, you go out and, you know, kind of, if you, if you're going to go down that road, I think Joe's smart enough to, to choose a, Joe's a lot smarter. You know, Joe reminds me of a Larry, the cable guy is always my, my, uh, the guy I always point to, you know, great comedian yeah, he's playing a part, you know, yeah. But Larry, the cable guy, is carrying around a doctorate, okay? The dude is brilliant. He's super smart, but he plays he plays dumb as a character, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people have played in their mind the character of Joe Exotic and not the person of Joe Exotic. Joe's extremely smart. He's extremely yeah. brilliant. He did not build and create the things that he did in his life without being that way. He's super resourceful. And so you're exactly right. You're not going to go down the route of hiring a 3,000 right. crackhead to go but, out there. Cause but one of the things that I thought was interesting, you know, uh, you know, Rinky, you know, yeah. Rinky ran that zoo for 15 years. They don't allow him to testify. They won't right. let him come in and provide any of the documentation that he has, right. you know, regarding Jeff Lowe, regarding, yeah. you know, Alan Glover, regarding James Garrettson. You know, he's not able to produce any of yeah. that. They don't even bring the guy that ran the zoo for 15 years to come and testify. Right. So, I mean, it's just, and they, anyway, they knew the murder for hire wasn't going to stick. So then they hit him with the, you know, the euthanizing those four tigers. And I mean, it's just, Which, see, this is the other thing people don't understand in with specifically with endangered species. So again, those of us who like, I have exotic animals, nothing's endangered that lives here, but I have exotic animals. I am licensed by the U S government because I want to protect my rights. I don't want somebody walking in here and taking my animals. I don't, you know, they're like family to me. Plus, I have a fortune invested in taking care of these animals, right? I mean, they're an asset and part of our family, right? Uh, but, like, I, I have people make accusations all the time. Somebody put up the other day. I get haters online. Oh, my animals have broken arms and legs. They're not getting care. Next thing you know, two days later, USDA is knocking on the front door. They come in. They do their inspection. Like, I'm subject to federal agents walking in my house any day, any time you know, invading my space. Like this is what people forget around that whole space. But those tigers in particular, when they're endangered, you can't just euthanize an animal when he gets sick. You have to get all kinds of permissions to move through that process. Joe couldn't get those permissions. Out of compassion, he made some moves to take care of some animals. But the ones that he did get help with, it's the very organizations who helped lead a coup against him. PETA is out there. Like they helped him move some yeah. other animals out. Yeah. But they were also party to calling him evil for being a humane human being. And I think that's what is so wild to me. And here's here's the other part. Obviously, the the antagonist in the Tiger King story, like the woman does the same stuff. And people forget she's for 30 years gone to the same auctions, bought the same animals from the same places that she's out there calling evil and wrong and bad. But she didn't build her empire without doing the same thing. 
And people forget all of these little pieces. But where the money fell is how the chips fell. And so when you've got somebody with inexhaustible resources fighting somebody who's just trying to keep their head above water at all times, you don't have a you don't have a chance in hell to get ahead of it. And so and once the federal government sees a ploy in this thing, right, to pass particular laws, the Big Cat Safety Act being one of them, they've got funding that is is behind the lobbying that goes behind that. It makes it very enticing and very easy. And when you've got mass media, and we all know this, the government works really hand in hand with a lot of mass media. That's why they get freaked out by independent journalism and and anybody who is willing to do what you guys do, tell a story. You know, they get worried about it because you're not controlled by the money. You're not controlled by the lobbyists. You're not controlled by the lawmakers. You are exercising First Amendment rights, freedom of speech. You're able to do things that they want to end our rights to. And that's the biggest reason Joe continues to show up and run for office. That's the stuff he's fighting for. It's not because he cares about being president. It's not because he cares about being governor of Oklahoma. It's because he continues to see the system fall apart. And the average American is the one getting pushed out. So what is, let me, let me ask you this. Cause I generally don't know. Yeah. Can you govern this country from prison? Is that you possible? Technically can, but you will just pardon yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. I mean, today, if he was elected, today, you just pardon technically him, right? sworn. So I, I think now don't quote me on this. This is where I know enough to be dangerous, not enough to be completely 100% effective. I'm pretty positive. He would actually have to get sworn into sworn into office from prison pardon himself and leave prison wouldn't that be fantastic constitutionally you can be elected to president of the united states from a jail cell okay so you know joe's one and i mean there's a couple of candidates out there but like joe's one of those people that i mean let's call it like it is joe doesn't care like joe's gonna do what joe feels passionate about he's gonna go do it and i think we need a candidate anyway sometime in the next couple of years. He's going to go in there and schedule F and clean house. Like we need to wipe the slate clean. I've said this a thousand times and it's not like it's some political threat, but I, I joke about it. But of course, you know, they control this too. But like somebody asked me not to, well, uh, Jack Posobiec, who's, you know, real big in the political commentary world and, and YouTube, Jack goes, what do you think the, the solution for America is? And I was like, two words, designated survivor. Like it's time, it's time for a clean slate, because man, I like, you know, I've been around, I've been on this planet four plus decades, and you look back and you're like, I don't, I don't know that I can point to many presidents, if any, in my lifetime, that I look and go, they did something great for the nation, like they genuinely time. did something great yeah. for the nation, and I think we've lost that. I think America has lost a place where we, men, men and women, but men, and this is, I, I don't. I hope this doesn't come across like completely like chauvinistic or oh, you can say whatever you, know, all you want that on kind here. Of stuff, but like the reality is, is we didn't build this nation on the, you know, women's right to vote and all that kind of stuff. We built that on a bunch of ballsy men who showed up and said, screw the, screw England, screw the crown. We're going to go do our thing. We're not going to have taxation without representation. We're not going to be governed irreverently we're going to have our freedoms of religion we're going to have our freedoms of life we're going to have our freedoms of business we're going to have and we're going to fight for it we'll die for it and we've lost that and and i there's nothing in my life there's not like there's a war in my 43 plus years on this planet that makes any sense whatsoever towards the freedoms of america you know it's all political ball games and it's the war machine and all those things and i look at it and that's why i love joe and I have a lot of respect for Joe, and I'm willing to put myself out there for Joe's sake. 
to speak for him to go, I, this is what people miss with Joe. He's ballsy enough to step up and go, I don't have anything else to lose. I'm willing to fight to give America back to Americans. Yeah. And I think that that's the kind of leadership we need. We need somebody who goes in and goes, I'm not afraid of the establishment because there are candidates out there. And I, I just call it out like it is because I'm like, Joe, I don't have a lot of filter. But like in RFK, like I hear a lot of things he says as he's running. I think, man, that's really great. I like what you say. Now, there's things I don't like. He's, you know, green energy and no fossil fuels and all that junk out there that just is a load of crock. But like I hear that I disagree. But the problem is, let's be real. His, his uncle and his dad were both assassinated for going against the system. Yeah. The man's not genuinely going to run for office without having some agreement with somebody in the deep state that guarantees him he's not going to get shot before the primaries, much less afterwards. So why would you put yourself on the line? Like, Well, it it's interesting, too, how the, how the Democratic Party has already kind of turned on him. You know, I mean, his dad and his uncle, when you say Democratic Party, the first thing people think of are old FDR Right. You know, Democrats that, that right. got us out of the depression and JFK right. period. I mean, that, right. those, those are the two, when you say right. the word Democrat, those are the two. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it, the democratic, you know, national convention coming out and saying they're not going to allow him to debate Biden. You know I mean? Just, right. just completely stripping the guy down from any sort of platform, YouTube, removing his videos, Instagram, right. removing videos. You know, I, I saw yeah, today. But like, were, let's be real here too, about <laughs> no debates. Like, listen, my grandfather, has dementia it's slow progressive dementia but i've watched him for 15 years go downhill i have a lot of compassion for it it's heartbreaking it's hard but i'm telling you we have a dementia patient leading our country and i don't care what somebody tells me i can see it from 100 miles away i've walked it i've lived it like you can't put that man on a debate stage you can't think straight you know i mean i was just going through qualifying again that whole deal i sold deep state secrets and all that stuff that went viral like are we sure that's not a deep fake? Because like so many things are deep fake. Like, please, like somebody tell me that's a deep fake, that we don't have a man in office that says stupid things like that. And they're actually legit, you know, but like it, we've gotten to a place where nobody's got the balls to stand up and go, I'm willing to sacrifice everything I've got for the sake of the freedoms this country is built on. And people forget, see, because every time we get into the constitutional right of this and constitutional right of that, I'm like, none of y'all actually understand what the constitutional rights were established as. They weren't rights given to us. They were rights we were given, period, just for being. Being born. And they yeah. are protected rights because of that. Not rights that we were granted. Rights that we inherently have. And I think that often gets for just gets wiped out. Nobody's teaching that history. It's it's hard for me as a parent watching my kids grow up and miss that part of their education, having to come home and go, hey, by the way, let's go sit and actually look at the Constitution that governs our country. And what why when somebody goes, America is the greatest country in the world, which if I'm being really raw and honest, that statement is not true anymore as an as a functional state, as a functional state. It doesn't mean it's not true at its core. Now, I don't, I don't, like, I don't want okay, to. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with that. I was, yeah. was going to jump in there for a second, but like, bro, I, come on no, now. I don't believe it as a functional statement because I think what's happened is we've become, I'm, I'm going to filter some language here, but we've become. You can say whatever you want to say. No, no filter. Yeah. Well, cuckold in the, in the international <laughs> space. <laughs> like, it's just sad. Like, we've become a giant cuck in the whole international scheme. And here's the thing. I spent 22 years of my professional life traveling around the world, working with other governments, countries, places, and, and people. 
And I've been there. I've heard the conversations from the other side. You know, I've, I've lived in the place. I've also lived in the developing nations that we have extorted for money and influence and power that our, our governments have used as pawns to wash money and all sorts of things. I've seen things that most Americans never get to see. And so I you look, touched on this. You touched on this a little bit, but I, 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 I got to ask this question. Yeah. So we 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 obviously didn't know you outside of this weekend. I mean, I sure. I did a little bit of research, watched the Kaylee McEnany, you know, video, and uh, you know, saw some things on Twitter. But you know, you you seem like you've been in this political game for a very long time, and it seems like you've been around and you've and you've worked, like you said, with both sides and different things. Why did you hit your wagon to Joe Exotic? I mean, what? I, yeah. It it's seems like question. you're way overqualified to be working for a president. I mean, I would vote for you. We need to just you to run. <laughs> yeah, well, well it's a good Chad, you chosen. voted for Biden. Chad, shut up. You voted for Biden. Stop it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Stop I, I was it. given so no gotta, alternative. Let me, let me say this, like, in a, in a moment of transparency, because I have been in that space. Like, I, well, let me actually back it up. I grew up in the, like, uber top end of the religious world, Okay. My dad's a pastor. My grandfather's a pastor. Like my grandfather was the head of publishing for the Southern Baptist Convention. You don't get any more like deep evangelical American culture than that. Like we did Thanksgiving dinners at Billy Graham's house, like in the end. Okay. So I had fingers into things that most people don't. But as a kid, I'm looking at it going, I'm just an observer, right? I'm taking this stuff in now. In all those years that I worked, I was both an entrepreneur, but I also pastored one of the largest churches in North America. So it put me in some places of influence without being political, technically, right? So I wasn't a politician in politics. I was a politician in culture and religion, right? So it, it really put me in an interesting spot. And so when I started working internationally specifically, Doors were open to me that wouldn't be open to the average person. You and know, that's because of the evangelical, yes, big time trip. Because you're going yeah. on mission trips, right? right. We're going to send you over We're here to this go mission on a mission trip. trip. And yeah. actually, what happened to me, particularly in some of these mission trips, you realize like these are stupid. Like if I'm being, if I'm, we could. That's a whole nother thing we could unpack one day. But we'll get on that. You know, again. white oh, yeah. people we're, going. We're going to get there here, and when we get through talking about Joe, we're going to go there here. In well, a little bit. well, white <laughs> people going and taking pictures of poor other colored right. people so they right. get facebook clout but Ab- that's a, absolutely and those some of those children live in my house so that really does change your perspective but absolutely. um you know it's a it's an interesting thing but like in some of these countries and haiti being being a primary one i have a dual citizenship i have something that most americans will never have i have stuff that has takes presidential dispensation and things to have in a country like that but it put me in great friendships with former presidents prime ministers uh, senators out of a foreign country that allowed me to see a conversation and a perspective of American politics that nobody else really gets to see unless you're playing the game, except I wasn't in the game. I was there as a friend and a support bringing resources to a country to help a next generation. So it allowed me to, in a lot of ways, be in a very neutral space to conversations. I remember a year and a half, almost two years ago, uh, one of the former prime ministers of Haiti was here in Nashville visiting, called me, said, let's go to dinner. So I go to dinner. I'm thinking it's just him. Like we have a really great relationship, you know, a good friendship. He's got a new significant other with him. Um, I think they're married now, but a uh, significant other. I'm thinking it's just a few of us going to dinner. I get there. The governor's there. A couple of senators are there. 
while we're at dinner, he's on the phone with the Clintons. Like it's this weird thing. And I find myself in these rooms and I scratch my head and I go, how the hell did I end up here? Like why? Like I am, but it was the trust and relationship I built with certain people that allowed me some places to sit there. And I've, I've leveraged that over the years. You know, it allowed me to be in a place where, again, I, I, I worked as a journalist in politics. You know, I, I, I was a writer for Tim Pool over at Tim Cast. I worked for Gateway Pundit. Um, you know, I worked for a lot of right-leaning publications or, or sure. more centrist publications because that's really who I am. It's not, to me, I think the idea of left and right Republican Democrat. I think it's a it's a it's a terminology we use, but there's not a functionality to it anymore because all the lines are blurred. You know, there's a well, even our you know even our founding fathers said that the detriment to this constitutional republic will be a two party system. You know, sure. that 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 was said in the 1780s, so, right? And it hasn't changed a bit, right? You we need opposition. We need opposing mindsets. There's no way to find equilibrium, right? Like you need pressure from all sides. So like that's my thing. Like even going back to what we were saying about 80s and 90s gay versus today's whatever you call it. <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. Trans cult is what I call it. But the um, you know the reality is is that like you need pressure, but you don't need crazy, and you don't need people to succumb to one central idea. It's okay. Like, I don't need people to lean in and be okay with the ideology that I have a husband instead of a wife. Like, it's okay if you disagree with that. That's fine. I'm not offended by that. That's okay. That's your belief system. You're allowed to feel that way. I obviously grew up in a conservative evangelical Christian family. Like, obviously, I have a lot of compassion. And I have genuine compassion for it. Not wounds or, or bitterness or anger over those things. Like, I look at it and go, I get it. I understand why you would feel that way. Like, it's okay. I just happen to be in a place that I don't feel that way. You know, it's okay. And I think that's one of the things, too, that this is one thing about Joe that gets missed is Joe's going to push back on the justice system. But what Joe's not going to do is push back on the parties. Like, his idea is we've got to recenter America on the central components that make us American before we start arguing the finer points. Like, it's really important that we start to break down the corruption that's continued to tear this country apart. The, well, and you mentioned, you know, you mentioned it earlier, and, the, and it's 100% true. And until you get reform at the DOJ level, none of this matters, right? Exactly. So if you look back at when our country was founded, if you look at the law, if you've studied law, everyone is equal right. under the law, correct? Right. I mean, that's what we were supposed to be built right. on. But that has been skewed and skewed and skewed and skewed yeah. a thousand different ways over the last, you know, 200 years of this country's existence. Right. So... How do you get back to that? Because you can't have a third party candidate. It's not going to happen. Yeah, Ross Perot no, ran and got this. on the ticket. I mean, they, yeah. All they are going to do is suck votes from one side or the other, which is going to guarantee the other side wins. Yep. That's the only thing a third party system yep. does. So how do you how do you reform this? How do you fix it? Well, I, yeah, let me let me make two statements here, or let me make one statement in particular. Does Joe stand a chance of fully winning the presidency? No, not functionally, but we've seen, listen, we've seen things happen. Okay. I remember when Trump announced his, his bid the first time around 16 and yeah. I had just watched another country successfully elect a Brexit, a celebrity, yeah. not a politician. And I literally said the day he announced it, everybody around me is like, Oh my God, I can't believe, you know, it's never going to happen. I was like, he's going to win. We're tired of politics in America. We just want something different. 
The problem is that we didn't center on on values. We didn't center on the core components that make America what it was. And so I think America's got to recenter some things. So, that, so that's a great statement because, um, you know, Trump's whole deal was make America great again. He got that from Ronald Reagan. Right. Ronald Reagan in the early 80s, like it, love it, or hate it, America was phenomenal sure. from 80 to 88. Oh, sure. Um, and so Trump, you know, kind of tried to piggyback on that to get some of those older Republicans. But what you said sure. is just it's, it's absolutely correct because at the, there, there wasn't a, a core movement of, no. Taking America back to uh, you know the core family values, right. or or having a centrist mindset where we can we can hear opposing arguments and we can remain civil and we can allow right. that to be that our right. because like love or hate Trump, the guy is a divider and that's what he did. He came in and he divided things and then whenever he divided them, now you are either extreme this way or you're extreme the other way. Sure. And so 100%. that centrist make America what it used to be in the '60s, '70s, and you know, suburban America and family centered America, it doesn't exist anymore. Right. Right. We have polarized individuals. We've destroyed. And, and listen, I, I am a gay man married to a man. So there are a lot of people out there who are going to think, how does he say all this stuff? But we've destroyed the value of family. We've destroyed the value of a core component of America as a whole, which is to take care of your own. But when we talk about the justice system, so this is a really interesting thing when you think about destroying things. You know, when we built a justice system around this idea of innocent until proven guilty, everybody's equal under the law. And when you go to trial, you go to trial by jury of your peers. Who are your peers anymore? Because most people lack relationship and they lack a community. And we've forgotten the idea of community in America. So therefore, you go to a trial, you know, A, is it contorted and corrupt by the system itself, of course. But then also... Who determines though what the what that peer group is, right? So, because don't I don't think for one minute, and I've looked at a lot of cases over the last couple hundred years in the American justice system. There are plenty of cases where people clearly committed a murder or did something atrocious, what we would call horrible today, that were acquitted by their peers because of situating <clears throat> circumstances based on character or all sorts of things. Like, and and my my but my thing is is that again. It's based on personal realities and freedoms instead of generalized ideologies that have to then govern every complete component. Because the human race is not is not free of bias. It never has been and never will no. be. So you can't it, it's it's very difficult to find 12 people to sit on a jury and a judge and a prosecutor and a defendant that are 100 percent equal under the law because they right. all have influence. They all have like you said, personal relationships, community, and things like that. So, I mean, what you're saying is 100% correct, but so how do we fix that? That's my question. Well, and again, I this is one thing that I like, I think what, and I think what makes Joe great is really the fact that you ask that question and go, it's going to take a few of us to figure it out. Like, I don't think anybody's got the answer. If you want the honest truth, then that's what nobody wants to hear. They want the answer, right? Because they want the answer because they go, I'm going to cast my vote at that answer. But the best answer is goes, I don't know, but we have to be willing to embark on a journey to figure it out. Because, again, in, in today's world, if you're going to have a fair and unbiased jury trial or anything for that matter, look at I mean, look, we're here. We're all in, you know, we're in different places, different spaces. You know, 30 years ago, this that's happening right now didn't happen. Yeah, it's not possible. So yeah. for me to come on and have a conversation with you guys, for somebody that may be in, I don't know where, Canada, for that matter 
to be watching this right now or South America or anywhere, you know, who may see this down the road. That didn't happen. That took months or years for news to disseminate. So people did not have this ready access to information. There's a good side. There's a bad side to it. How do I think that's the question we got to figure out is it's not regulation of free speech. It's a question of how do we vet out what type of information someone has ingested to decide whether a bias is inherent or not as they lead or as they make decisions. Because again, just like any of us, you could take a stance like the media spent how many years trying to tell us that, you know, a former president colluded with Russia and he's a racist sack of shit, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I know the man. He's not racist. He obviously didn't collude with Russia. We know that very clearly now. Facts you now. Know, in fact, I, I, if if Kevin McCarthy and some Republicans would grow some balls, there might be an impeachment of Merrick Garland, and we could clear out some things in the Department of Justice. But I don't think any of them have balls enough. They don't because they're they're all a part of the same. That one has an R beside their name, and the other has a D. They're yeah. they're in the same it's not, circles. It's a they're in the same party. It's the R E yeah. party. It's just it's it's a research and development party. It's just so bad. Like, so, so you, you brought this up a couple of times. I, I was on, I was really after, after, you know, Donald Trump Jr., you know, post January 6th, all those things, you know, he comes out and says, you know, I've watched Tiger King. I've talked to dad about it, you know, whatever. I, I, I really believed that Trump would pardon Joe. So my sure. question, let's just say Joe gets elected. Does he pardon Trump or does he let him hang? So if you want, I'm going to answer the way Joe would want me to answer, which is an honest answer. He's not going to let him hang, but he's not going to take him out of their day one. I think his attitude is anybody on the elite side of leadership should have to experience what everybody else has to go through for a minute. He would definitely pardon him. No question. But I don't think he's going to do it day one. I think he's going to let him get a little taste of what's out there because he is he is a person regardless of elected or not. He's got an opportunity to influence what happens in the future. And I think that that's a, a hugely important. Listen, I think that's what made America amazing country to begin with, is that in those first 50 to 100 years of building this nation, nobody was exempt from the conditions of building this nation. And so even if you were wealthy, you still had to suffer for a moment because maybe you didn't have the resources and you had to build them from the ground up. You know, maybe you had to build the roads or you had to build the railroads or what, you know, whatever it was. But like you weren't exempt from the hard work that was required today. There's so much infrastructure that so many people are exempt from that. And I think one of the things that is missing in empathy and compassion in our culture in America that keeps it from being such a great country is that we are exempt from experiencing and having to be responsible to do the work. I think, you know, there's other candidates out there, Vivek Ramaswamy. I think one of the things, you know, I don't agree with everything Vivek says, but I really like the guy. I think he's really an interesting candidate. Um, But one of the things that he talks about is, you know, bringing back the need to either own property, serve in the military, things like that. Responsibility before you have the right to vote. I do think that there is a lot of merit to the idea that we as Americans should have some responsibility in the function of this country before and listen i didn't serve in the military so i'm saying this at, at the risk of understanding that i was exempt of those things too i grew up in a time where those things were not a requirement there was not a draft i wasn't going to be pulled into war at 18 you know but the reality is is that we have so little invested so when i sit with 
you know, I was lucky enough when I was a kid, I had great, great grandparents still living. Like people, my I joked all the time. People in my family didn't die; they just kept shrinking because everybody does, and eventually <laughs> disappear. Um, yeah, my grandparents lived well past a hundred, you know. And so, having conversations of what life was like in the investment, but to sit with with a grandparent who served in the military, served in a war that was fundamental to American freedom in some form or another, or had or had their own parent or grandparent who served in something like the Civil War. Yeah. And to have those conversations and understand what what it looked like when this country was genuinely divided and at war with itself. So, so, so you I know, agree to with understand what you're the saying. merit of building and working hard to get there. And I think that's a that's a big component. That's what makes it so easy for us to go to go fly rainbow flags, to fly somebody else's flag, for that matter, some yellow and blue piece of shit that hangs over the White House and we give billions of dollars to. You know, all these things, because we have no investment as Americans for the general whole of what it takes to maintain and build and protect the rights and freedoms that made this country what it was. So I, I, I think what you're saying is 100 percent true, because, you know, I grew up my, my grandfather was a World War Two veteran and, you know, he he would chew us out as kids for not even shaving. You know, right. if you're too lazy to shave then, then right. I can't, I can't use you. You know, you can't even get right. up in the morning and shave your face. I can't use you, you know? So how did, in your opinion, how do you, how do you think the COVID lockdowns just exemplified that to the nth degree? I think, I think you just gave people a free ticket to do nothing. I think you just literally, so I've said this again, I'm going to go back and refer to Haiti, you know, FDR <laughs> put into play in Haiti during our occupation. We've occupied Haiti a number of times, taking control of all that. Social welfare, before it was an actual thing in the United States, got tested in, in that nation. So if you got a birth certificate and, a, and a, what they call a NIF, a social security number, in that country, at that time, you automatically got a check from the government, period. No questions asked. You didn't have to qualify for it. It was a right given to individuals to equalize income, to stabilize sure. everything. Obviously, Socialist got a, economy, sure. Well, we got a taste of that in COVID, right? Everybody gets a, a stimulus check. Everybody gets an opportunity to file unemployment. Everybody gets a chance to file for this, that, and the other from the U.S. government, right? So we got a little taste of that. What is interesting to watch is in the, in the nation of Haiti, and I say this a lot because I think it's a really interesting litmus test for us as Americans. This is the only country that was a slave nation that liberated itself. It's also the only black nation who fought and, and gained its own independence, right? So there's a lot of things that are historically relevant about the country. It was built on a lot of pride. And up until the 1930s, it was the wealthiest nation in the Caribbean. And something happened in the 1930s that made it now the poorest country in our hemisphere. They and I can tell you exactly what it was. Yeah. Social welfare. Yeah. Socialism. And equalizing the income and the and the achievements of everyone in that country and making it so that everybody had to be at the same level. And so I think one of the things we have to do in, in this country is is return back to the idea of, you know, we've been told capitalism is evil. Like, who came up with that bullshit? Like, I'm not offended by a billionaire. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Like, I'm impressed by him. Like, I look at him and go, you know, I remember the days as a as a college kid, early 20s working, building my first career. Like my dream was to make my first million by the time I was 25. I missed it by a few years, but I got there. 
you know, I did some things in my life that were really great, but I would pick up things like the Rob report, right? Like magazines where you go and see somebody who bought their new Maserati, yeah. their Rolls Royce, their new $150,000 wristwatch, you know, they're crazy things. They don't make sense in real world stuff, but like they are achieve their goals. You know, they drive you forward. Well, it used to be called look, the American dream, right? right. I mean, I that, that, that is the go, American dream. I oh, came from nothing. person's a horrible, selfish, yeah. nasty human being who doesn't care about anybody else. I went, Oh, that's really impressive. This person's worked really hard. They've done something right to achieve the the right and the freedom to be able to have those things. Like we've lost that somewhere. We've made that evil. And that's not evil. Like, yes, there are some evil rich people out there. I mean, let's be real about that, too. It's not like there's there's exceptions to everything. There's a there's an outlier in every area of life. But the reality is, is that the vast majority you know, I've got friends who fall into the billionaire category. I've got I've got a family member who does like they're generous. They're incredible people. And I watched them literally sacrifice most of their life to get to where they are. Yeah. And people forget that. And I think those are the things we have to let people. I, actually, the real answer to your whole question is it's time to just let some things fail. And we have forgotten the ability to let things fail. Like we've somehow erased in history well, and everybody says, America, you know, America's it's too big everything. to fail, right? It's too big right. to fail. You can't, it can't fail because if it fails, that's the lie that crumbling. destroys America yeah. at its core. You got to let these banks, we got to quit bailing out banks. We got to quit trying to fix the economy. A recession is not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I don't want a recession, but it's not a bad thing. It, it equalizes failure equalizes crashes equalize. The up and down of the dollar, the up and down of the economy, the you know, the housing market, all of the things like it's OK. It's OK to fail because we don't find our way through a solution without failure. If we bandaid it, this is why so many I think we live in a country full of, for lack of a better term, we live in a country full of pussies because nobody's willing to lose. Everybody's got to get a damn blue ribbon. Everybody's got to be patted on the back. Like I grew up in a time where it's like well, shit, I got a, I got a C on that. Like my teacher sucks. You must hate me. And I lived with that. Like in my parents' attitude was you better do better. You better yeah. work harder. Not like what's wrong with the teacher. Yeah. Like, let's go get the teacher fired right. because your and baby so, boy is way better than that. Yeah. It's time. It's actually time to let some things fail. If you want America to climb back out of the hole it's in right now. And if we want this country to rise back up to greatness, it's time for us to fail for a minute. It's okay to fail. Like failures. So one of my mentors taught me a long time ago, failure is the space we move through, not a destination. And as you move through that space, like your job is to be an observer, be a student, learn everything that you can. And as you move through that space, you'll become smarter and stronger for it. So when you look at things like the Great Depression in America, when we took the reins off of all of this stuff and we let the economy implode on itself, what happened? The economy in America really was very healthy for decades after. Well, World War II helped with that. I mean, it let's, did. Let's be real there. I mean, it did. But yeah. but my thing is, is like, yeah, the war machine became a reaction Absolutely. to a lot of things. I don't certainly don't discredit that. But the average American, look, look at the wealth that is created by boomers compared to Gen Xers, millennials, and so on, because they came out of post-depression era families. Who realized I got to work hard. I got to build my own because failure is imminent. Like failure wasn't a maybe. Failure is a given. Right. And today's culture and today's leadership says that failure is not acceptable. 
right? Like your grand, you talked about your grandfather, like, ah, if you don't shave, you don't do this, you know, those are all things. But the reason behind that is if you don't shave, you're not going to get a good job. You don't get a good job. You're going to fail. And I'm not going to support you to choose failing. Like you're not going to choose failure, but failure is imminent. So therefore those who make decisions to fail are going to fail. Let them fail. It's okay. It's okay. Like we've forgotten that in America. That's good stuff, man. I mean, I I think, I think what you're saying is, you know, most Americans, right? I mean, I would say 99% of Americans, what, what do they, what do they truly, truly want? They want to be able to, to, to be able to provide for their family. They want to, they want their kids to go to safe schools. They want to be able to practice whatever religion they want to practice. They want to be able to raise their family and do their things like they want to do without interference from others. I mean, that's, it's, it's very simple at its core, but we've, we've polluted it so much that, you know, like you said, it's, it's almost, it's almost a bad thing now to be, to be a, you know, to be married and you got two kids and you live in a suburban neighborhood and you have two vehicles in your garage. You know, that's almost an evil thing now where 20 years ago, that was, you, you made it, you know, I grew up in a small town and that, that's, that's, those are the things that you kind of dream for as a kid is, you know, I want my two and a half kids in my two car garage and, you know, a, a guest bedroom, you know, right. I mean, all these different things, you know, it's just, um, it, it's a wild reality. Like I, I live where, where I live, I live in Nashville, but I grew up South of Nashville in an area, the city of Franklin, Williamson County. Now it's like the ninth wealthiest County in America. When I was growing up, it was poor as dirt. No Vanderbilt, could. right. That's, that's the reason Vanderbilt, yeah. right? Vanderbilt university. Yeah. 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 All that area. But it's an interesting thing because like the house that I currently live in, I'm only the second person to live in this house. This house is 80 years old. Okay. The couple who built it lived here until they couldn't take care of themselves anymore and moved out. Right. Then we moved in. Right. All my neighbors though, they're all about that age. They've all, they all built these houses after they got married. They've lived here their whole lives. Like they weren't trying to achieve the mega mansion. They weren't trying, like they were happy to just be normal. And that's conversations I have with my neighbors all the time. My favorite thing is the fact that I'm probably the youngest, one of the youngest people in this entire neighborhood. And I love every minute of it. Right. Because I'm having those conversations. My neighbor, two doors down is the head of the association here. He's 82 years old, man. He throws the best parties, by the way. Like, oh, of course. They, they, they put up tents and run margarita machines all night long. And I'm like, you're the coolest 82 year old. Like I've ever <laughs> known in my life. But like, but that's the thing is he's never worked a job where he's made more than, He's never probably in his lifetime, he's never made more than $75,000 a year. You know, he's an average American who's who's above the poverty line, but like he's middle class. Like we've erased that idea of the middle class and we've erased that idea of just being normal. Like keep achieving, keep getting, keep making more. And if you don't, something's wrong. And, you know, I mean, there's just all these struggles. Like I, I remember at 36 years old, I checked off everything on my bucket list. I had owned all the businesses. I had made the, I checked off the money list that was important to me. I had met the people I wanted in the, the, the climax of that was in February. It was really, I was 38, but February of 2018, I found myself sitting in Richard Branson's living room in Verbier, Switzerland, invited in to speak at this summit thing. And I'm sitting there going, this was the last thing on my list to sit with these people. Like, yeah. and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit. Like, I don't, I don't, what? Know, I don't know what to do. Like, and I had to really reckon, recognize in myself, like I had to learn to find contentment and just life being normal. Like, yeah. it's a funny thing now is that people can look down a, a list of things that I've accomplished or done or 
who I know or any of that stuff. And they're like, why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? I'm like, why do I need any of that? Like, I'm happy to be at home with my kids, with my husband, with the animals that I have. Like the apex to me is I have all these animals yeah. around. They run my life, but I'm happy with it. I'm cool. Well, I'm telling you, that's that's 99% of America. That is, is what they want. I want to yeah. come home after that's work, right. uh, working a job that I enjoy. I want to come mm-hmm. home. I want to have dinner with my family. I want to see my kids. Yep. I want to hang out with my spouse. I want to, you know, be able to go on a vacation once or twice a year. You know, I just right. that that is what normal used to be in America. Right. And that's what we we've got to get back to. Yeah. And 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 what you have to do is let people fail. So businesses have to fail. Economies have to fail. People's dreams and achievements do have to fail because, again, we bought we bought into the American dream so much so that you can't fail at achieving the American dream. And I think that's something that we've missed. Like, like looking back at the stories and, and if you think to older people in your life, how many people are like, yeah, one time I did this business, it didn't work, you know? So I moved on to the next thing or I I tried this and it didn't like, they don't look back at it like, Oh my God, my whole life crumbled. Like they look back and go, it didn't work. Like the most valuable lesson I ever learned was the last time I, I owned retail stores for a long time. I had a retail partner literally rob me blind embezzle every dime I had like, and this was in, in 2014. I woke up one day and I went from having a couple million dollars in the bank to having zero. The most valuable education I ever had and the most expensive education most expensive, I, ever I would had say yeah. was a failure. And the failure was on me. It was my failure. It was my failure to lead the business. I was so good. I thought I didn't need to pay attention to things anymore. I thought I had achieved everything that you needed to and you didn't have to do that anymore. And I learned a very hard and very valuable lesson. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And in fact, I look back now at the person who even did it to me. And instead of being upset and frustrated and angry, I look back with gratitude because I go, I'm a better, smarter person because of that. And I also found out how strong I am. also found out how resilient I am. And I'm not afraid of a damn thing. So, you know, when people have also asked me, you know, coming in here and and partnering up and, and helping with Joe, I'm not afraid of a damn thing. He's got a lot of crazy critics out there. He's got a lot of weird people who show up and try to tear him down. Screw them all. I don't care. You don't scare me. I've survived so much in life. I do not care. Like, let's go. It's time for some truth to be told. It's time for freedom to be brought back to America. It's time for people in this country to man up, grow some balls, stand up to themselves and their own fears and become strong again. But you don't get there without taking a well, few hits. And, and, and now, you know, nowadays generation and, and, Gosh, we fall into this, so it's not like I'm a I'm speaking as a Great Depression survivor or anything yeah. like that. But but the first thing everybody wants to say is, oh well, Michael had these retail stores and he had two million dollars. Well, that's not fair because I don't have retail stores and I I can't make two million dollars. And oh, you know how lucky is Michael because he had all these retail stores. You know what? I can't. I think it was Will Rogers said, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yes. You know, so I mean, and I think we've gone away from that. We've gone away from right pulling up your bootstraps and right. and man, I did fail and I lost everything yep. I had, but am I going to lay here on my back or I'm going to get up and, and make another way? Right. So. That's exactly it. And again, I grew up again, you know, watching it have my father. Like I now run my dad's company every day. Like not some, I swore. Which to was probably a dream of his, you know, if you well, think, I mean, if your dad owned a company, you know, what, what dad doesn't his, want to give it to their it's son. A dream of his and nothing I ever wanted. in life. <laughs> you know, let's be real. Like none of us, 
in our forties are looking like, Oh, thank God. I'm going to take over my dad's thing. You know, like it's not, not real. Let's be Chad, real. Is that how real chatty, is chatty speak <laughs> to us. It's a very right? real like, thing for me, but yeah, I got gotcha. you. But like the thing is, is like you look back and you go, my dad worked hard. I remember the days when he started the company sitting at the kitchen table with my mother and that if they didn't get a sale, they didn't get this thing. We didn't have money to put gas in the gas tank, you know, like, I remember that. So stepping into it, I have an appreciation for the fact that this came out of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears over the last 30 years of his life. And a respect for it as well. Right. So it may not necessarily be my dream, but it is in a lot of ways because now I have pride in the legacy because, again, it goes back to that core. I don't have to be the creator. I don't have to be the hero of the story. And I do think that's another thing that gets told to all these kids growing up today you're your own hero. You're going to be the hero. Like I get self-esteem, but some of us get stronger, not because we get built up every minute, but because we get our ass whooped every once in a while and we get stronger for it. Like, I don't know any story in history that ends well, where everybody gets a blue ribbon. Like it just doesn't work that way. And so, you know, I look at it and I go, Hey, I didn't intend to own a merchandising screen printing t-shirt embroidery company. But that's what my that is what I will do. And you know what? I'm really proud of it now, because if I do, if I don't fail at this one because I failed at others, maybe my kids can have it, too. Maybe. Maybe. But that's up to them. You know, at the same time, I've got animals. I got all this stuff. You know, somebody asked me the other day. They're like, because the politics thing. I love politics, man. Man, I I absolutely running for office doesn't scare me. None of that stuff. My kids are still young enough. I want them to be an active part of that decision because I'm not putting their lives in the middle of that stuff, you know, deep. But somebody goes, oh, now you're a press secretary. I was like, yeah, because being Joe's press secretary is the biggest resume builder everybody's (laughs) looking for, right? Like, but here's the thing. I look at it and go, what Joe does bring to the table, period, no matter what, is that Joe is causing people to have conversations they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And he's doing it with just like you you said way back at the beginning. You know, you go back to those moments when he was campaigning in Oklahoma. It's crazy as hell. But you hand out a condom with your face on it. People can't help but have a conversation. And Joe's yeah. mindset is what do I have to do to make people talk? Because if we don't have a conversation, it's not going to change. Nothing's going to so, change. I'm just going to ask a quick question. You, you yeah. sit on here. It's not realistic for Joe to win. What is your realistic expectation? Is this to create the conversation? Is it to build momentum towards the next cycle? What What is it realistic? I want to I want to take that question and I want to reframe it. I want to be real specific. Yes, I'm an outcomes focused guy. What does success look like, conservatively speaking? What does success look like for Joe's campaign? Success for Joe, I mean, listen, success for Joe is a win, but if Anything underneath the idea of a win for Joe is to cause Americans to have enough conversation to quit voting for the wrong person. Okay. Which is like, fair. I'm, yeah, not, I'm actually completely content if if what I am doing and what Joe's team is doing right now to help Joe, because obviously Joe doesn't have a voice. I mean, he right. for I all mean, we know for all we know, Joe could Joe could be sitting in solitary for the next four months. Like they, they, it's indeterminate. So, which we never get to that. So, why, why is he there? Just, just briefly. They shut him up. That's it. Okay. Joe's not, Joe didn't have bad behavior. Joe doesn't listen. Joe's the most wonderful, laid back, chill. Like, yes, he'll say things unfiltered, but like, 
not like he's got into violence or, un, you know, some crazy situation. Like, How does he get the mullet dyed in prison? I don't know how a lot of people do certain things in prison, but have you noticed that prisoners somehow work it out? Like, yeah, my best friend, my best friend was in a wrongful conviction in in federal prison for four years. And every week we would get on the phone two or three times. And every time he tell me a story, I'm like, how did y'all pull that off? Like I, I worked, like I coached guys in prison in the Kern Valley out in California. I coached guys in Kern Valley prison, uh, as, as business, business entrepreneurs and stuff. So when they got out, they could start their own business because these guys, it's hard for them to get a job. Right. But I remember, like, these guys would tell me stories, too. But, you know, I'll tell you something. You learn to be a better entrepreneur and a lot more resourceful when you're a lot more limited in your yeah. reason. So, That's well, right. And, at least, and at, least with, at least with Joe, I mean, a country boy can't survive, right? I right. Mean, Joe's, Joe's going to figure it out. Yeah. He's going to figure it out. But I, I honestly have no problem. Now, I, don't, I can't say that Joe would phrase it this way. So let me be very clear. This is coming from me even more so than Joe. But I, I don't think that it contradicts anything joe would say by any stretch but if i can keep more people from voting for a corrupt administration and it, it at least gives us a better option for the next general election then i will get as loud as i have to get to help america so, Even, get, so yeah i mean you, you've been in the political realm for you know, long time. I and mean, we, we, we talked about over the last hour and, you know, 15 minutes, but so let's, let's kind of look at 24 for you. You know, obviously, you know, Trump's going to be in the mix. I, I don't think, I, I don't, I don't think that the Democrats are going to allow Joe Biden to escape this. I think this is going to be his downfall. I think they're going to try to plug in Gavin Newsom um, and, and, you know, he's going to be the savior and, and come in and kind of save the democratic party. But so let's say let's say you got Gavin Newsom. Let's say you got Trump. Let's say you got. I, th- I think DeSantis is is a really strong player, to, despite what the polls sure. are saying. I think that DeSantis is going to probably end up being the Republican nominee. So give me give me your thoughts. Who who do you think are the nominees on both sides, and then who comes out of this? I mean, here's the problem. I'm really torn on the Democratic side because I don't think the DNC has sights on anybody, and unless they spring a surprise on us, which we all know. It's going to be Gavin Newsom. It's going to be. God help us all. I lived in California. God help us. Like I, that this may be the one time I genuinely, cause everybody makes this threat. Like I'm moving out of America. If, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many were leaving? How many were leaving when Trump got Listen, elected? If Gavin yeah. Newsom ends up the president of the United States, I have dual citizenship. I'll move to Haiti for God's sake. <laughs> like, and I kid you not like, hold me to that shit. Like hold me to it. But, yeah, you're right. It could be Gavin. I'm still having a hard time because I think, honestly, the game. And again, a lot of a lot of inside conversations, a lot of things that I'm privy to. I honestly think they'll keep letting Biden go through the general election and then we'll have a mo- like a 25th Amendment moment because there's no way he makes it through a second term. There's yeah. no possible way. But God help us if so. Does he does it does he keep Harris on the ticket? Our president, yeah. Does it does he keep does he keep Harris on the ticket or does he go somewhere else? No, I think he keeps Harris on the ticket. I don't think he has a choice. I don't think because he can't continue his grift of faking his his liking of anybody who's not white. I mean, again, anybody who buys the bullshit gaslighting from Joe Biden. I mean, the man got pushed out of a presidential election for plagiarism and lying. Plagiarism, right? He he led efforts to segregate America. Okay, like. He passed laws that put more black men in jail. So did Kamala Harris. Passed more laws that put more black men in prison than any any 
elected leaders in the history of the United States. And yet he's the friend of the minority. Like, come on, like wake up America. Like this stuff's all out there for you to see. But, but again, well, we, again, we can go down that route. Who owns mass media, who owns communication and who's the lobbyist? Where's the money coming from? You know, follow the money, just follow the money. I think that I still, I still kind of hold to the fact that he'll be the nominee right now. Now, Okay. We got a lot. We still got 18 months. Sure, right? yeah. I mean, we he may not live 18 long ways. We don't know. Well, we got a long ways to go. It's early yet, so we'll see. But if it were today, he's the nominee. Um, on the Republican side, short of a true criminal conviction, I still think Trump's going to get the nomination. If I if I were cat, if those were my two choices, if those were the only two choices I had, I'm obviously going to cast my vote to Trump. And my only reason is I think he's going in with a vendetta, not because I think he's make America great anymore. I think he's going into clean house to prove it down. Yeah. What does it matter? Burn it to the ground. I'm not getting yeah. another term. And quite frankly, we probably do need to burn it to the ground. <laughs> you know, like I, I, but I don't know. I think we're still early yet. Like again, I like Vivek Ramaswamy from the Republican side. I think he's a great candidate. I think his ideas of abolishing all the alphabet agencies and do it in, in a merit-based voting system and things like that are really good. I like a lot of things that I hear RFK say. You know, yeah. there's things I don't like. And again, there's no perfect candidate. That's the really hard thing. Like if we're having a really unbiased, true conversation about what the future looks like in America, and you said it earlier third party candidate doesn't stand a chance because the culture in America has never allowed a third party candidate ever to make a dent. The only thing they do is detract votes. So now I respect the third party candidate who comes to the table and says, my objective is to at least keep this one person from getting a majority. You know, like I can respect that. I'm okay with that. And somebody who does that, I, I have respect for, but I do believe we're at a place in America where I think the next four the next, and I say the next four years because I really think the election cycle and what happens in the immediacy after that election cycle are going to determine whether America remains a nation built on a constitution that protects our inalienable rights that are that are protected by a governing constitution, or we become a nation that falls under a socialistic regime. I really believe the next four years are the shift in our American culture. I don't, I don't think that that's completely off base. Uh, now, if you said that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you would sure. be laughed out of the room. But sure. uh, due to recent events, I, I don't think you're probably too far off there. Um, well, what's amazing to me in America today is that none of this stuff is hidden. None of this stuff is like subversive anymore. It's all out in the open. And you're a conspiracy theorist, regardless which side you stand on. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so you're discredited just for expressing your opinion. And so I think that's what's scary to me. That's why I say we're at the edge of the socialist government, because at this point, unless you adhere to and parrot the regime's verbiage, you are, uh, as Merrick Garland said, anybody who questions uh, the integrity of the Department of Justice is a threat to our democracy. Yep. And again, America, wake up. We have a de- democratic voting system, but we are a constitutional republic. We, we are governed by the people, for the people, through the inalienable rights of the people guaranteed under the Constitution. But we have a democratic voting process that guarantees our leadership. So we have forgotten the basis on which this nation was built and how it was meant to be governed from the beginning. 
And every time you say that, every time I've said it, you get fact checked with a bunch yeah. of bullshit that isn't true. Yeah. So I well, don't know. I, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm at a quandary because really, I think at this point, the future of America is based on a fight, not an election. And I don't mean that in maybe it is a literal fight. You know, there's a lot of people out there like, oh, we're on the edge of a civil war. I don't know because wars aren't fought on the battlefield anymore. They're fought in ideology. But I do think that at some point there's going to there's going to come a place where the America needs to be honest about its factions and stand up. I think that um, regardless of which side you stand on on religion, um, I do think that there's a big basis in America on religion and not the way that we're told and all this divisive BS about evangelical white Americans hate minorities and segregate this and segregate that. It was a simple set of values that govern the inalienable rights of absolutely loving the person that stands next to you, having honor and respect for the people around you, protecting them and fighting for their safety and provision so that they could do exactly what you said, provide for your family, enjoy life and live free. Yep. And so you can be Catholic, Jewish. I don't care. Agnostic. I don't care. We all believe something. We all stand on some set of values. And at some point we have to have a mutual respect that guarantees that for one another and we're willing to fight for that, even what we don't agree with. So when you go back and you look at those World War II vets or anybody else in anything prior to that, when they fought for the freedom of this country, they did not all agree on things. But what they did agree on is we're going to protect this nation to allow yep. you to have the freedom to disagree and live your life yep. without being overgoverned, overtaxed and oppressed by any one governing body. And Here. give their life for it. That's, That's what it means. Exactly right. Bingo. Man, this is great stuff. Mike, man, we've been going for an hour and a half. Uh, you know, I, I can't, we could, I, can't I, can I, I can sit here all night. I mean, I, I really could. could. I could sit here all night. But, you know, we want to be respectful of your time and, you know, greatly appreciate you coming on with us. Um, appreciate the screen, it. The screen printing, I mean, I'm going to get with you offline. We, we've got some merch we're wanting to get made up, so I'll get with we'll you do on it. that. And I'll give you deals. Yeah, deals. yeah, absolutely. So, but no, I mean, seriously, uh, you know, we – you know, Oklahoma, we laugh, we joke, we, you know, make Joe exotic memes, but, you know, I think it, at, at its core, you know, anybody can look at his, his, you know, conviction and say, man, there, there there's questions that should have been answered and there's questions that factually should have been asked and, and they well, weren't allowed to be. And so people need to understand July 8th, we're going to hold a big all, all day broadcast. I've got huge celebrities, politicians, things like that are going to be a part of it. But this is the thing that I tell people. I want to see Joe out of there because I love Joe. He's a friend. You know, it matters to me, but it matters. And Joe says this a lot and he means it. It's genuine. It is for all Americans. It is not just for Joe's freedom. It's not just because Joe doesn't want to be in there. Because if they can do it to Joe, they can do it to you. And that's what sure. Joe says all the time. And we want sure. to see Joe get out of there. We want to free Joe Exotic. Free so him. I'm telling you, people need to go over there to Joe Exotic 2024 slash dot com slash evidence. They need yeah, to we're going to put that. We'll put that up down scroll right at now. the bottom again. Yeah, we'll put and that up. They need to get over there and take a look at that because the affidavits are there. The sworn video statements from people saying I committed perjury. I lied. I was paid off by a federal agent. I was paid off by a filmmaker to testify false information that resulted in Joe being where he is today and ask the Department of Justice to step over the fact that they're trying to keep mud off their face and move towards a, a place of freedom for Joe, it's super important. And this is the one thing. Joe is, he's a wild card. He's crazy. He's a lot of fun. 
you know, he makes life interesting. He'll make you scratch your head. He'll make you go, wait a second. Did he just say that out loud? Like, <laughs> you know, that's Joe. Yes. Quite frankly, we could use a moment in America. I would love, I actually would love, and, and Kaylee McEnany asked me this the other night, because, you know, when I went on Fox News, I took one of the monkeys with me. She, I saw she that. Literally yeah. Asked, yeah, I watched I that thought, movie. Yeah. I thought she was joking. I was like, you really want me to go on Fox News as a press secretary for candidate of the president of the United States and carry a monkey? But I was like, it is Joe, so it does make sense. So, But she asked the question. She's like, so if you're press secretary, do you step to the podium with a monkey? And I was like, hell yeah, I do. You're dang straight, I do. And you know what? I think America could use a moment to laugh, to have some freedom, and to know that somebody up there doesn't give a damn about what they got to lose, that they're just there to fight for the actual American that lives here and wants that basic right to live their life, love their family, enjoy their freedoms, build a business, save some money, and and just live with a little bit of peace for a minute. Absolutely. Thank you, man. That's okay. great. That's good Michael, stuff. I, have a, I have a question for you before you sure. leave. Uh, and before we put out, is there any way we can get you back on to give us updates, how the campaign's going, just even if it's quarterly or however you want to do it, whatever fits in your schedule. Absolutely. I think you that would be awesome. Reach out. Yeah, just reach okay. out. Time. I'd, be lo- I'd love to. And then out. you said you have an event come up on July 8th. Do you want to plug that right now for whoever's going to watch this at any point? Yeah, again, you can follow Joe underscore exotic on Twitter. I mean, Joe's everywhere. He's on all the social platforms. So you'll see it. We'll start to put that stuff out in the next week. There'll be links there. It'll be live on YouTube all day from Joe's YouTube as well. Um, it'll start. It'll be that. It's that Saturday following July 4th. So on July 8th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And again, we've got some amazing uh, like I because we haven't put everything out there. Yeah, yet, sure. No, don't 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 ruin it. Now. You, yeah. Like I'm actually sitting back a couple times like, holy crap, we're getting this person to come on. And it, and it it's across the board. It's all ages. It's all demographics. I mean, I've got everybody from the highest level in politics, in social media. I mean, heck, I got Playboy centerfolds that are coming on. Like it's amazing. It's it's just this crazy mix of amazing people. But what it is is representative America, and people are coming on saying, "Hey, we want to talk about this. We want to talk about really raising raising awareness for Joe." The idea that day, we are going to raise money that day. But the idea that day is for us to take our team to DC to hold a big event in DC to really point blank right in front of the White House, tell Biden and the entire Department of Justice it's time to hear this appeal. Let's quit waiting on a statute of limitations. Let's quit sticking our head in the sand. Let's be honest about this and let's move forward for 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 Joe and for America. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Michael, I mean, I, this, this has been great. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed this a lot. You know, we, uh, we, we're just some, you know, just mid thirties guys that like to talk about sports. We like to talk about politics. We try, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, bad decisions, all the stuff that, you know, that kind of just makes our little world go around. So, uh, we, we, we'd love to have you back on. That's an open invite. So I've, I've got your contact information. I'll reach out to you and, uh, you know, it'd be fun to do like after the first, you know, democratic and Republican, well, I guess the Democrats aren't gonna do it, but I guess the the first Republican debate, we'll get you on after that. We'll break that down, you know, do some things. So I think it'd it'd be a good time. You got it. Sounds like a plan. All Appreciate right, it. Thanks Thank for your you time, so guys. Much. All right. Y'all have buddy. a great night. All right. You too. Bye. Dude, we lost AJ. Where did AJ go? Uh, his internet crapped out on us. Yeah. Okay. That was wonderful. I was I, not prepared. I'm just going to be honest. I was not prepared for the conversations that we just had. No, I, I, 
as you noticed, I was silent because it was like, I'm never going to be silent. <laughs> it was everything he said. I could just sit there and listen to him. And, yeah. and man, we've had so many for the dumb little podcast that we are that has been on here for six episodes, seven episodes. We have had some yeah, amazing guests. Yeah. It's, I, I, I'm a little speechless with what just happened for the it's last stuff, hour and a man. half. That guy's bright. I mean, he is yeah. done some things and you can tell that, you know, even when he was talking about, you know, even, and, and we could go on about this forever, but even in, you know, ultra evangelical circles, you still have these little pockets of influence and pockets of money and, you know, people that, you know, make decisions and do this. So, I mean, he, you know, like you said, he, he grew up in that and he's been around it, you know, his whole life. So I, I really, um, I hope we get him back on and I hope that whatever decision he makes as a family that he decides to run for some sort of office, you some, know, whether it's, yeah. you know, in his state Even, or get on a school board, national. man. I mean, you know, I mean, he needs to be there. That That is the kind of, um, thought process. I think this country needs right now. And absolutely. it was who thought that this would be a political show. I'm not very political. Um, I, I'm nowhere near what you and AJ are. I just, I'm just kind of in the middle of everything, you know, uh, but this was, this was a lot of fun. This is a yeah, lot of fun. Was. I can sit back and listen. All right. Um, now, so we'll get, exotic. get him out of prison, man. I mean, it is a, it's a, I, I don't think it's a very strong conviction. I mean, I think they needed a fall guy and, and it was him and, you know, I mean, get get him out of prison. I mean, the guy doesn't deserve to be doing 20 something years. I mean, get him out. Let's go. And, and how does uh, Joe exotic? I, I thought you were joking when you said solitary confinement. I did not no, know he's he in, actually yeah. is in. No, he, yeah. I got put in there Saturday. I believe. I think this is his third day. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yep. Um, so two weeks, are we going to do every two weeks now? Yeah, so we'll do two okay. weeks until football starts. So two Mondays okay. from tonight, we'll be back. And the plan is to start breaking down. And I know there's a ton of shows out there that do this, but we're going to do some break down the divisions, AFC East, West, North, South, NFC in the same categories. What we love and what we hate about each team, pick some conference winners, yep. um, kind of map out some different things as far as the divisions go. And then, you know, I mean, we're – I think I saw we're seven, what are we, 71, three, five, something like that, days away from college football. So we'll do that, you know, for a bit, and they'll take us up into mini camps and training camps. and Lots know, of we'll content coming. This is our dead period right now. Coming. Lots yeah. of content's coming soon. Yeah. Um, we've got some hopeful things in the in the works to be able to have a uh, – where well, we're going to be podcasting from somewhere. That ought to be pretty cool. We're, we're working on getting the star. So we'll be down at Dallas Cowboys at the star. I think that'll be neat if we can make that work. So – Anyway, yeah, a lot of good stuff coming for sure. A lot of good we're gonna, stuff we're coming. Probably going to get some t-shirts and stuff rolled out, you know, for all of our 12 subscribers or whatever. If you're listening, you got to like, you got to subscribe. I, I hate that because every time my kids turn on a YouTube video, it's, oh, please like and subscribe. And it just drives me insane. But what, that's what we need. I mean, that's what we need it, from, from the guys that are listening. So it, it really is a big deal. Uh, I know that sounds dumb. Like, subscribe, whatever. You, YouTube has certain algorithms. It helps us out if people like and subscribe and, and talk in the comments. I mean, it helps promote our stuff. Helps it to make it where we can put more out. Um, so yeah, help us out any way you can. Show your friends, even if your mom doesn't watch uh, YouTube, just go to her phone, click on it, click subscribe. Do your dad. My mom and dad are both subscribed. They have no <laughs> idea what YouTube is. So anyway, Benny, anything? Any final right. thoughts? Now, man, looking forward to uh, you know a couple of weeks breaking down some of that stuff. And like I said, you know, mini camps are kind of starting up, and you know, some of the rookies are already in camp. I mean, it's 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 going to be here quick. So we're excited. Awesome. Follow Ben at Benjamin Lewis 10 on Twitter. I'm Chad H610. What is AJ? I don't no. know what he is. He does. Follow he's using booze and balls. Yeah. At at, booze and uh, balls. Yeah. Booze and balls yep. at booze and balls on Twitter. All right. Yep. Later, man. All right. See you, Chatty.